everybody to the December 2008 podcast for Immigration Solutions. Uh, my name is Nixie Fuentes, and on behalf of everybody at Immigration Solutions, I just want to thank you for listening to our podcast and taking pride in our business and taking the time out of your day to put the effort into um, you know what we work really hard to put together. So to get started, let's just chat about what we're going to talk about this month. Um, we have a contributing attorney at law, Thomas J. Joy. He wrote a very interesting piece on a creative solution to the H-1B cap problem. Um, we also have a couple articles by a new immigration associate. His name is Brandon Meyer. And he wrote a couple pieces, one on immigration and the economy and its simple effects there as well. He also made a trip to the San Francisco AILA conference um, last month and he wrote in detail about some expectations um, that came out of that. So without delay, I'd say we, uh, we're about ready to get started. So uh, I hope you enjoy. A Creative Solution to the H-1B Cat Problem by Thomas J. Joy, Attorney at Law. Immigration Solutions has been recently inundated in regard to questions pertaining to cap-exempt H-1B employment from its clients and readership. As a result of this, we decided to address your questions with the writing of this article. We will trust that you find it useful and informative. Are you an employer or a staffing company searching for a way to solve the H-1B cap quota problem? At the present time, due to quota limitations and more to de demand than supply, you are restricted to filing early April for H-1B visas for your critical H-1B professional employees who, if they win an H-1B visa in the lottery, cannot start employment until the following October 1st at the earliest. This unavailability and timing problem makes it very difficult to plan for the employment of H-1B workers. If the petitioning employer is an institution of higher education or related or affiliated nonprofit entity or a nonprofit or government research organization, then the H-1B cap does not apply. What is generally not widely known is that the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services has interpreted the cap exemption in such a manner that widens the scope of the cap exemption. Specifically, USCIS will allow, subject to certain restrictions, an employer who is not cap exempt to petition for its H-1B employees who will perform their duties at a cap exempt institution. Such employers are known as third party petitioners. The intent of Congress was to ensure that qualifying cap exempt institutions have a continuous supply of H-1B workers without quota limits. Pursuant to the broader interpretation, the USCIS will allow third-party petitioning employers to claim the cap exemption for their H-1B employees if the employees will perform job duties at a qualifying cap-exempt institution that directly and predominantly furthers the normal, primary, or essential purpose, mission, objectives, or function of the institution, namely higher education or nonprofit or government research. If the petitioning employer is not itself a qualifying cap-exempt institution, the burden is on the petitioning employer to establish a logical nexus between the work performed predominantly by the employee and the normal primary or essential work performed by a qualifying institution. Essentially, the third-party employer's employee would be cap-exempt if he was performing duties that would or could otherwise be performed by employees of the qualifying cap-exempt institution in furtherance of the qualifying institution's primary mission. It should be noted that it must still be proven 
that the job offered is a specialty occupation in order to qualify for an H-1B. For example, the position requires a minimum of a four-year bachelor degree or the equivalent. This will be an issue for registered nurses since the USCIS takes a stance that the position of registered nurse generally does not require a four-year bachelor degree. Registered nurses in more complex positions may be able to qualify. In summary, cap-exempt status, whether it is by working for a cap-exempt employee or for a third-party employer at a cap-exempt institution, provides the advantage of filing at any time without regard to the quota and affords much more flexibility for planning and staffing purposes. Immigration and the Economy by Brandon Meyer, Immigration Associate. Bad economic news seems to be everywhere. Stories of banking crisis, bailouts, rising unemployment, plummeting securities and housing prices, rising inflation, rising gas and food prices, recession, depression, and the end of prosperity have all become ubiquitous over the past couple of months. The bottom and the subsequent rebound are nowhere to be seen. Now take a deep breath, exhale, and relax. At the time this column was written, I was on a flight from San Diego to Austin packed with business travelers. Oil and other commodity prices have fallen back in recent months after reaching record highs. There are signs that credit markets are beginning to function again. Insofar as pundits cannot oversell the good times, pundits cannot resist the temptation to oversell doom and gloom. An October 26, 2008 article in the New York Times entitled, Forecasters Race to Call, the bottom to the market explains this phenomenon in greater detail. The outcome to recent manifestations of economic instability will hopefully be much more mundane. We will all muddle those through somehow. Although this may be seem hard to reconcile for people under the age of 30 who never really have lived through a period of economic instability, economic growth may be slow and non-existent for the foreseeable future, but full-scale economic collapse is unlikely. What impact does this economic uncertainty have on immigration for employers and employees alike? Many employers may contemplate downsizing in order to cut costs or reduce employer work hours or pay. While these strategies may be necessary from a business perspective, employers need to keep in mind the potential impact on their foreign national employees. Employers with E3 Australian and H-1B employees must ensure that any downward revision of wages received by these employees do not fall below the figure listed on the labor condition application that was obtained on their behalf. Failure to comply with wage obligations of an LCA could be considered non-compliance by the U.S. Department of Labor and could lead to negative consequences for the company. Employers are also required to offer H-1B employees who have been involuntarily terminated the cost of return transportation to their last place of foreign residence. This requirement does not extend to E3 or TN workers or to the dependents of H-1B employees. It is important to consult your labor and immigration attorney prior to terminating, benching, reducing work hours, or reducing wages for foreign national employees. Furthermore, healthcare providers must ensure that offers of permanent employment to immigrant nurses also remain at a level equal to the prevailing wage of the immigrant visa petition that was filed on their behalf. The upside for employers is that if unemployment continues to rise, the opportunities for recruiting highly skilled, highly qualified workers increases. Recruiting top-notch workers now places employers in a good position to capitalize on better times in the future. Some industries, such as banking and finance, will face tough times for the foreseeable future. Some companies, such as Lehman Brothers, have already or will disappear in the future. Others, such as Wachovia, will be purchased and subsumed into their new owner's business. Other industries, such as healthcare, are more insulated from economic slowdowns and, in fact, may be poised for greater growth as baby boomers enter their golden years. 
for national employees generally feel a greater sense of insecurity during periods of economic uncertainty, as they may believe that their immigrant status makes them more vulnerable to selection for any company downsizing. How companies manage this perception is critical for maintaining employee morale and retention. In addition to the LCA and return transportation protections for H-1 employees, there are a number of other protections for foreign national employees. Chief among them are provisions allowing H-1B employees to change employers upon the filing of a new H-1B petition, provided the employee is maintaining H-1B status. Upon termination, H-1B employees generally have 10 days to depart to the United States. H-1B change of employers provisions are helpful in allowing an H-1B employee to change employers in the wake of corporate downsizing, provided that the H-1B employee is still on the books of the initial company at the time of filing of the H-1B petition by the new employer. The H-1B employee can commence employment with the new company upon proper filing of a new H-1B petition. Please consult your immigration attorney prior to terminating an H-1B employee or hiring a new H-1B employee pursuant to the H-1B change of employer provisions. As even more important protection for foreign national employees rests in the adjustment of status portability provisions of the American Competitiveness in the 21st Century Act, a foreign national with an AOS application pending for 180 days or more based on an approved or pending I-5 petition on Form I-140 that has not been withdrawn by the petitioning company or otherwise revoked by USCIS may seek employment with a different employer in the same or similar occupation that the I-140 petition was filed. This foreign national should notify USCIS of the change of employer along with the description of how the new job opportunity is the same or similar to the job opportunity described in the I-140 petition. In the absence of governing regulations, there's a lot of gray area and why divergence of practice for how employers and employees handle AOS portability situations. However, the USCIS expects to publish regulations governing AC21 that purport to the address these issues in the near future. Please consult your immigration attorney when encountering employees with possible AC21 issues. The next economic boom is always just around the corner. Strong companies will emerge from this period of economic uncertainty, stronger and ready to seize upon new opportunities. Employees can also emerge stronger and wiser from the experience. I will be attending the 21st Annual AILA California Chapters Conference from November 13th through the 15th in San Francisco, California. I will report on any developments and other pertinent information that may emerge from this conference in the December 2008 Immigration Solutions newsletter. Please stay tuned. New Third Country National Non-Immigrant Visa Policies at U.S. Consulates in Mexico. U.S. Consular Mission in Mexico has changed the requirements for visa applications for third country nationals who are not residents of Mexico. The new requirements are posted on their website at http colon front slash front slash c-i-u-d-a-d-j-u-a-r-e-z dot u-s c-o-n-s-u-l-a-t-e dot g-o-v front slash n-i-v-t-c-n-s dot h-t-m-l. Applicants will be allowed to schedule interviews at one of 10 posts from Mission Mexico online or by phone at one 900 476-1212. Please remember that appointment numbers are limited, therefore flexibility and post location by applicants will make appointment scheduling easier. On another note, get travel exit clearance as POEA warns returning OFWs. The Philippines Overseas Employment Administration is advising all overseas Filipino workers returning to the country for holiday to have their overseas employment certificate 
otherwise known as their OEC, or their travel exit clearance process early to avoid the holiday rush. An administrator, Jennifer Jardin Manali, said long lines seem to be cause massive delays at the Balik Mangua Processing Center immediately after Christmas and New Year's Day. Authorities are suggesting that returning OFW secure their exit clearance at the Philippine Overseas Labor Office nearest to their job site, even before their flight to the Philippines or as soon as they may enter the country. For more information on this or any other pertinent information regarding to this topic, please head to the ImmigrationSolution.net blog page. You can find that at www.immigrationsolution.net and just make your way to the blog. Reminder, visa waiver travelers must enroll in ESTA. As of January 12, 2009, all nationals and citizens of visa waiver program countries will be required by law to obtain a travel authorization prior to initiating travel to the United States under the visa waiver program. You can access this authorization online through the electronic system for travel authorization, otherwise known as ESTA, which is a free internet application administered by Homeland Security. You can access the free application at https colon front slash front slash esta dot cbp dot dhs dot gov. The new president could increase H-1B cap level. It seems that President-elect Barack Obama supports the H-1B visa program and wants to make changes to green cards that would help tech firms. The speculation could revive a 2007 U.S. Senate bill that would have increased the current 85,000 cap, which includes 20,000 visas set aside for graduates to advanced degrees. If the bill was to have passed, it would have increased the number of H-1B visas to 180,000, as well as additional visas for advanced degree graduates. For more information on this article, please head to the ImmigrationSolution.net blog. Bush Immigration Chief Myers leaves her post. With a new political party preparing to take over the White House, one aspect of the Bush administration has decided to leave the party. Julie L. Myers, head of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, left her post effective November 15th. Myers, 39, did not say if she planned to re-enter the private practice after spending the last 12 years in government posts. Myers, who's a niece of former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman Richard B. Myers, served as Chertoff's Chief of Staff when he led the Justice Department's Criminal Division. She was chosen to help oversee ICE in 2006 when the Bush administration failed in an immigration overhaul push. She never was the perfect choice, as numerous concerns about her youth and lack of executive immigration experience left senators delaying her appointment to the office. She was finally confirmed for the post last December. New Homeland Security Chief to take moderate approach to immigration. Uh, with his choice of government Janet Napolitano to head the Department of Homeland Security, President-elect Barack Obama is laying the groundwork for a moderate approach toward immigration and border policies, while laying the path to pursue comprehensive reform later. Napolitano is the governor of a border state and the former federal prosecutor, and is bringing many years of experience in dealing with immigration and border issues. This is something previous Homeland Security leaders have lacked. For more information on the new security chief, please head to the ImmigrationSolution.net blog. Expectations and trepidation in San Francisco ALA conference. 
by Brandon Meyer, Contributing Writer and Associate to Immigration Solutions. I attended the 21st Annual ALH California Chapters Conference held November 13th through the 15th in San Francisco. Subtitled Keeping the Golden Gate Open, the assembled panels and panelists discuss numerous issues related to business immigration. The Hot Topics panel expressed optimism that comprehensive immigration reform was highly probable in the forthcoming Obama administration based on their analysis of election results, which saw the defeat of several anti-immigrationists at the polls. Although the panel agreed that comprehensive immigration reform was unlikely during the current lame duck session of Congress, they believe that a window of opportunity will open sometime between the end of the current financial crisis and the 2010 congressional elections. The Hot Topics panel also discussed how USCIS is working toward the creation of a company account system, which would allow companies to register with USCIS and update corporate information online, designed to eliminate the need for companies to provide basic corporate information for every case they file, saving both company and the USCIS resources alike. USCIS admits that the implementation of this company account system remains a long-term project. Furthermore, the Hot Topics panel discussed the implications of a recent USCIS report that estimated that 21% of H-1B petitions are fraudulent. In order to reduce this number, USCIS plans to introduce improved filing instructions as a means of reducing technical violations. USCIS also has plans to initiate the visitation of job sites in a manner akin to the Religious Worker Program. The site visit program is bound to generate controversy, but may be useful in maintaining the long-term credibility of the H-1B program. Also forthcoming is a new non-immigrant visa application form, the so-called DS-160, touted as a combination of the current panoply of visa application forms, which include the DS-156, DS-157, and the DS-158. The DS-160 is described as a challenging form. The information entered in this online DS-160 will be stored by the U.S. Department of State for an indefinite period of time, which will then allow DOS officials to cross-reference all future visa applications for inconsistent answers provided by the applicant. Thus, visa applicants will need to be more diligent in providing accurate and consistent answers on the DS-160 to avoid complications in receiving visas in the future. On a positive note, the Hot Topics panel discussed how a U.S. consular post in Mexico would begin issuing visas to the third country nationals provided that the applicant's first visa in a particular visa category was issued in their home country. TCN seeking B1, B2 visitor visas or who are the beneficiaries of the change of status will not be able to participate in this program. The Department of Labor envisions that it will continue its current policy of auditing between 30 and 40 percent of labor certification applications for the foreseeable future. Furthermore, the Department of Labor will scrutinize unemployment data in order to determine the availability of U.S. workers on a national and industry-wide basis. The practical implication of this policy will be that if unemployment continues to rise, labor certification applications will be subject to additional scrutiny, which may lead to a greater number of denials, audits, and remands for supervised recruitment by the Department of Labor. Reapportionment of workloads within the USCIS, an almost never-ending product, process will continue with the anticipated transfer of an unspecified number of pending I-140 petitions from the Nebraska and Texas Service Centers to the California Service Center in an effort to reduce processing times. This will certainly be good news for our nurse is who have Schedule A cases still pending with Nebraska from March to June 2007. USCIS officials also stated that filing procedures for new H-1B petitions for fiscal year 2010 would be the same as fiscal year 2009. This means that USCIS will accept new H-1B petitions during a five-day window 
in order to prevent the previous spectacle of mass filings of petitions all arriving at USCIS on April 1st. If the number of petitions received during this filing window exceeds 59,200 for regular H-1B petitions and 20,000 for beneficiaries with U.S. master's degrees or higher, then a lottery will be conducted among the petitions received during this filing window. The dates of the new H-1B filing window will be confirmed by USCIS at a later date. In summary, the mood was one of trepidation over the expansion of the E-Verify program and greater issuance of so-called no-match letters. Mixed with a mood of optimism, that comprehensive immigration form is a real possibility. The assembled panelists and practitioners alike also express concern that H-1B and L-1 petitions, as well as labor certifications, will be subject to greater scrutiny and consistently burdensome requests for additional evidence. Only time will tell whether these hopes or fears will materialize. Either way, 2009 will not be dull for business immigration. Thank you for listening to today's podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it just as much as we did. And if you might have heard anything that you're not sure of, or you have any requests, or or maybe you think there's something that we should chat about in our podcast in the future, you know, please feel free to email us at info at immigrationsolution.net. Or you can head to our homepage at www.immigrationsolution.net. Once again, uh, be on behalf of myself and everyone else here, I just wanted to say thank you. And uh, we hope you have a great holiday and we will see you in the new year. If you'd like to advertise with Immigration Solutions or you'd like to advertise on our podcast, please email us at info at immigrationsolution.net or head to our homepage at www.immigrationsolution.net and look on the footer of the website where you'll be able to find the link for the online media kit, which will basically in detail describe all of our advertising solutions and the number of ways you can be involved in our uh, business.